Welcome to the Vape Village, the podcast for the Victorian Association for the Teaching of English. My name's Ernest and I'm the Education Officer at Vape. We'll be using this podcast feed to spark discussion and connection within our community. This recording took place on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and I'd like to pay respect to the Elders past, present and emerging. I was really lucky to speak with three outstanding English department leaders from around the state in a range of different settings about some of the challenges with leading teams who are teaching VCE remotely. They shared some of the unique situations that they've found themselves in and also remarked on some of the similarities between their experiences. Please enjoy their discussion. All right. Hello, everybody in the Vape Village. Uh, it's Ernest Price here again. I'm the education officer who everyone is sick of seeing and hearing from. Um, today, I'm really lucky to have a panel of English leaders um, from some very different settings around the state, um, just to share some of their reflections on how things have been in their schools, um, how their team has been going, and how things have been, particularly for those VCE students that we know are really feeling the pressure, um, even more so than normal at the moment. Um, so I'm going to start by asking them just to very briefly introduce themselves. I might start with you, Angie, if that's okay. Sure. So I'm Angie Pollock. I'm from Bendigo Senior Secondary College. Um, we're a college with only Year 11 and 12 um, and the only college, public college in, in our city that um, teaches VCA and BCAL. So we have around about 19 Year 12 English classes and 20 Year 11 VCE English classes. Um, we have five English language Year 12 classes and three in, um, literature classes. <laughs> I've, I've heard this before, Angie, but it still gives me deep levels of um, panic every time you mention that. And I you know I can see it reflected in the other two people's faces. The sort of coordinating moderation between 19 English classes is, that's heroic, but we'll get back to that perhaps in a little while. <laughs> Claire, you next? Yeah, I'm uh, Claire Caudill. I'm the head of senior English, so I just look after year 10, 11 and 12. And we have nine classes of year 12 and nine classes of year 11 at a Catholic school in Mulberry. Fantastic. And Kate, last of all. Thank you. Um, I'm the head of English at a, um, I thought, fairly substantial, but now I'm going to revise that state government <laughs> um, school in the western suburbs of Melbourne. Um, we've got a mere six English classes this year and eight-year-11 classes running this year. I know, I know. Kate and I used to work together, so I'm aware that I too thought that was a large setting until <laughs> I spoke to these two and others like them. Um, so we're going to get straight down to business, um, and I really would love to hear how your, particularly your Year 12 students, have been finding this period of remote learning. Angie, how have they been going at, at your setting? Um... I guess with everybody, there have been some students who really found a lot of difficulty um, with this sort of setting, not only, you know, difficulty with internet access and devices that are suitable, um, but also just with general um, motivation levels, etc. But I have to say that so many resources um, have gone into supporting our students. So a lot of staff that um, worked in different areas, a lot of ES staff that worked in different areas um, have been called in and there's a huge team that are following up, bringing families. And I have to say um, this week we are running our um, analytical sack for reading and comparing and our uptake has been unprecedented. Um, okay. 
talk about that later, but yeah. Um, so, of course, there have been a lot of students with difficulties, but conversely, there have been some students that almost universally, students would report that they would prefer to be in the classroom. They prefer to be back at school. But many say that there are less distractions, that they're able to focus on a task for a longer period of time and therefore have some sense of completion. Uh, yeah, so a mixed bag, I suppose. But overall, uh, I'd say our students have stepped up. Claire, how have things been with your students? Pretty similar story to Angie, actually. I think uh, most of them have adapted extremely well because they've had to. So they obviously, like us, haven't had a lot of choice in the matter. <laughs> so they've had to adapt pretty quickly. And I think in a similar manner, most of them are, even though they're obviously missing their friends and missing the interaction, a lot of them are thriving and, and doing some really great work despite the difficult conditions. I guess we're lucky we're, we're a laptop school anyway. So they all already had laptops and there's strong parental support as well, which I think is, is also really helpful. I think that the challenge is probably motivating some of the struggling students. The ones that you would normally just sort of wander around the room and, and help out are the ones that perhaps that's a bit trickier. You're not sort of right there with them as, as they're doing the work and you can't just quickly answer questions on the go quite as easily as we could before. So I think that's, that's a bit of a challenge. But... Look, for the most part, they're all doing the best they can do, which is good. Kate, how about your students? Oh, look, I definitely echo um, similar experiences. I mean, I do feel for these kids, it is incredibly hard to be self-motivated when you're alone. Um, but I guess the flip side of that is that if you can survive these conditions this year, you are so well prepared for university next year. Um, I think that's probably a good thing. Um, one of the challenges I think where, again, we have the infrastructure in place and we've been really fortunate that our kids are quite good at managing the technology side of things. But I think one of the unexpected challenges is that different subjects using different platforms. And I'm just amazed at the ability that the kids have to move between those um, as they move across their day throughout their subjects. It's, it's really extraordinary, I think, how, how well they are managing. I mean, they are much more digitally native than I am. Um, but I, yeah, I'm constantly impressed by how much they've risen to the challenge of, of this condition, absolutely. I do, th I do think all of the stories I've heard from the young people and also from the teachers that I know about how young people are uh, finding humour as well in their use of online platforms and in their teachers' uh, foibles when it comes to digital platforms as well. Um, it's a good time to mock us, I think, if you're a teenager. Um, Angie, how have you and your team adapted some of the, the teaching, learning and assessment that you've been doing, particularly with Year 12s? So um, year 12, in terms of the teaching, we've been doing, obviously, as all schools will have done, a lot of sharing. So there's been a lot of um, narrating, narrating presentations and things like that. Um, I guess we've found, as we've, um, you know, we're hearing this across the state, that students um, are just really struggling to manage the amount of work we're expecting from them. So we've had, definitely had to cut, had to cut back on that. Um, but in terms of assessment, it's been quite um, difficult. So normally we pre-release um, topics and then about a week, in about a week's time, we start our SACs. We have to do them in classes. We have a, uh, largely a part-time staff. So it's very difficult to have enough supervisors um, mm. if we do the SAC all at the one time. Um, I did request that we do that, but it was decided that it was important to keep students following their timetable. So, so in the end, students did complete the SAC this week in their doubles. Um, so we pre-released themes instead of prompts this time and then wrote um, 
wrote prompts to go with the themes and every class had different prompts. So, um, and we opened up the session um, at the beginning of the double and then closed it off at the end of the double. But we've had a WebEx chat in the background, um, all of the Unit 3 teachers and just the astounded, you know, 21 out of 22 students doing the SAC in that time, um, 21 out of 23 students in other classes, you know, we probably had a better uptake than we would if we were in class. Um, and today I spoke to the students who did theirs yesterday and they were all really comfortable um, and were happy to share their experiences. But um, so we had a benchmarking meeting this morning um, and we've decided normally we'd blind mark, we divide up the papers, but we've decided that we're going to assess our own classes. Um, apart from we have a shared drive where we will all um, co-assess our sort of 80% above range. Um, and then one of our assistant principals is writing a program whereby um, our results for this SAC will be tested against results for other SAC. And if there are any anomalies, then we'll go back to the teacher to see if is this unusual for this student um, because we know they're form, um, formative assessment SACs. So we do have some room for movement. So that is our process. So we're, um, we're making it up as we go, as everybody is. But um, so far, you know, everyone's on board and, and we're pretty comfortable with how things are going. Wow, that sounds like a Herculean effort, including some sort of coding going on in there, which is fantastic. And it will be really interesting to reflect, I guess, when we're 12 months in the future, what, what parts of the innovation we actually want to keep as teams as well and, and parts of processes and change. Claire, what does the teaching and learning and assessing look like for you? Uh, we haven't tackled um, ASAC yet. So from that perspective, we're due to do one uh, at the end of May. So we're just sort of holding off at the moment. Uh, I'm waiting for Daniel Andrews to sort of hopefully <laughs> kind of make a decision one way or the other on Monday. Monday's kind of like our, our, we've got about six different plans ready to go, depending on um, what comes on Monday. So in terms of our SAC, we're holding off a little bit at the moment. But we're heading towards the end of our analytical response work. So we're doing cold blood. So fortunately, most of that we had taught at the end of term one. So it's been a lot of theme-based activities, which thanks to the, the team of year 12 teachers and we're doing a similar thing at year 11 with, uh, as Angie said, we've all created different resources and different lessons based around different themes and then shared everything. So that's been really great to have that strong team of teachers where you don't sort of feel quite as isolated when you've got everyone preparing things that you can then all share, which has been really great. We're a uh, Google school, so uh, the Hapara dashboard has been really handy for being able to jump into students' work and check how they're progressing. And we also are a school box school, so that's been really handy for setting up lessons and being able to disseminate information to all of the students for each lesson. And Screencast-O-Matic, my new best friend. <laughs> yep, loving their work. So whoever created them, they, uh, they should get a sainthood because we've been relying on that a lot to create presentations. Absolutely. Kate, how about you? Um, yeah, similar things, I think. We already had a pretty collaborative um, culture in our school. So in terms of the resources, not much has changed for us in terms of the way we create the resources. But I think, like you said, narrating the PowerPoints, doing those screencasts, um, modelling work, um, modelling essay construction, um, recording yourself, doing voiceovers. You know, I think we're all pushed out of our comfort zone doing this stuff, but the kids definitely <laughs> appreciate it. 
Um, and strangely are happy to listen to us talking to them endlessly, not just in class time, but at night watching videos of us as well. So go figure. Um, we're using Microsoft Teams as our platform to conduct our lessons. And so we're sort of doing a, a, a lot of work where we're having whole class discussions still online, um, breaking into smaller groups um, to, to hone down on particular skills with students, um, much as they would in a table group in the classroom setting. Um, so that sort of side of things is working quite well. Um, we're about to tackle our first assessment um, under these new conditions in a couple of weeks. So we've been ironing out the kinks, practicing, um, our poor year 11 class are going to be our guinea pigs while we try and work out the best approach to run the assessment for our 12s um, because we're experimenting a little bit with a couple of different platforms. So it certainly is interesting times and I, I do agree with your point earlier. I think it'll be really interesting to see how much of this we keep once we are unleashed back into the world again. I think especially, I mean, I know way back when I first started doing my teaching rounds um, over a decade ago, we were talking about flipped learning and the role it can play. And it's like, it's kind of taken this to really take off, I think, um, and to train the kids differently. So yeah, it'll be a very interesting discussion. Uh, the last question I had for you all today was, I guess, moving a little bit more into your leadership roles. Um, what kind of support have you put in place for your teams, either sort of as English leaders or as leadership teams at your schools? Angie? Um, we worked out fairly early on that meeting up as a huge group wasn't really working. So um, I'm also um, co coordinating the languages and media as well. Um, so we had a meeting sort of day one on mass and it, it was pretty clear that it was important that we meet in smaller subject teams. So I try and get to the subject team meetings, even the ones I don't personally teach in, um, as much as I can um, and just really ironing out the kinks through those smaller meetings has been really valuable, I think. And also I mentioned before that we've had WebEx chat um, room set up and all throughout the day people are, has it, you know, have you, what have you found this, what's worked, what hasn't worked, et cetera. That's been incredibly um, important as well. So, and, and then of course, um, you know, dealing with individual teachers who are having trouble with, um, you know, communicating with students and things like that and just liaising with, the coordination team if I need to. Fantastic, Claire. Yeah, very similar story. I think we've had um, pretty strong leadership from above. So everyone sort of swung into action fairly quickly, which definitely helped. Uh, so our DP of curriculum and our Dean of Teaching and Learning put some processes in place very quickly at a school-wide level, which obviously helped because we then fell under that umbrella. And we've got some ICT assistants at the school too who've been able to help not just the faculty, but also individual teachers along the way, which has been really, really great and helped out a lot. I think specifically at an English level, in a similar way to Angie, um, we've had year level team meetings at year 10, 11 and 12, rather than trying to all meet at one time. So even though there are crossovers, obviously, in our staff, it's much easier just to focus on year 10 in a short, sharp meeting, rather than trying to get everybody online all at the same time. And I suppose the only thing we're missing is those sort of little corridor conversations that often happen as teachers where you suddenly pass someone and have a quick chat about something. And, and I guess it's just been harder in that sense not to have everyone around you. You sort of have to send out a quick email rather than being able to just chat to someone one-on-one, -on -one, which is in a bit of navigation, obviously, but definitely the team approach has been working. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I can definitely um, echo most of those. I think having those smaller meetings, the ability to share the resources and, and keep those chats happening throughout the day has been really important. 
um, that, yeah, I think it's that lack of corridor conversation and that lack of those incidental conversations, having to engineer or construct um, circumstances for them to happen, perhaps initially felt a little bit artificial, but I think we're really getting there now. Um, I think the only thing that I'm really missing is um, we team teach a lot of our classes, so not having that ability to have the two teachers in the room or jumping in and out of each other's classrooms has been a bit of a challenge. Um, I think it is a little bit isolating, you know, when it is just you on your own. Um, but that being said, I think the other, yeah, the, the forms of communication that are open to us and the way that um, certainly my team are, are very keen to share information and, and share the successes and share the challenges and, and the, um, I guess, troubleshooting and, and offering advice and help to one another. Again, I think it's, it's reached levels that I wasn't expecting um, in this environment. And I'm just, yeah, I'm very impressed with how everybody's adapted. Well, thank you to the three of you. It's really great. Um, I mentioned to you before we started recording that I think VAPE members are so keen to hear how others are doing and how other schools are adapting um, precisely for the reasons you just outlined, Kate. I think it's easy to feel at times a tiny bit isolated when we're sitting um, in our home offices or our kitchens, as I am, um, and our colleague is, you know, our four or five-year-old um, rather than, than our team. Um, so it's just great for you to all share your time and do just a little bit more Zoom meeting than you needed to today. So thank you so much for that. Um, really appreciate your insights. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you so much to Angie, Claire and Kate for sharing their time and reflection with us. It's fantastic to hear about the experiences of others around the state. If you can, please take the time to like and subscribe to this podcast on your provider and get in touch with VAPE via social media and or email. My address is educationofficer at vape.org.au. We'd love to hear your feedback and we'd particularly love to hear from anyone who'd like to be a guest on the podcast. Stay safe.